You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Well, today uh, you guys are going to get to hear from somebody really special to me. And so uh, whenever we have a guest speaker, I'm always kind of building them up and they're backstage and everyone's like, who's back there? But So we're just going to have them come out now. So this is my dad, everybody. This is Pete Jansen. So you guys can welcome him out. And... Um, I know everyone's always like, oh, you look like brothers. You look so young. Like, he, he can't be your dad. You look like his dad. Like, so, but um, so grateful for this guy. And um, when I was like 15, 16 years old, stop laughing. It's not that real, okay? Like, people like covering their faces. Like, I won't, I'm not going to get through this. Um, but uh, just seeing God use him so mightily um, really was what God used to kind of direct my heart toward ministry and seeing God use him in youth ministry and which is where I started out and um, just seeing his love for the Lord and his love for people and his love for uh, just seeing God at work and, and helping people connect to Jesus was something that God used so powerfully in my life. And so you guys hear about, I talk about him all the time. I literally had an illustration of him last week. And so um, you guys are going to be really blessed. I know after the the 9.30, many people were leaving going, man, I so needed that today. That was right on. It's right where I am. I'm so thankful for that word. And so I know you guys will be super blessed. I'm really grateful for him and all he's poured into my life. And uh, just very proud of him and thankful. So love you, man. Mm-hmm. Love you, too. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Um, it's, uh, it, was, it was an experience uh, being Doug's, da- Doug's dad. I could follow that up with a hundred jokes and uh, and a hundred stories, you know, that that were just absolutely amazing. But I'm not going to do that this morning. That's not why we're here. But I am excited to be here. I'm excited to be here to share with you God's Word this morning. Uh, That's that's going to be the primary thing that we do. We'll look into His Word and find out what He has to say. But I realized while preparing this message that uh, Doug's been at Living Word for 22 years this month. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that's uh, a, a wonderful career. I'm, I'm very excited about, uh, about that. Time flies, doesn't it? It's incredible. How many were here back 22 years ago? Okay, a couple of people. Vinny, you have to raise your hand. Okay, dude. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so... I, I just have to take a moment at the beginning here to just kind of make some comments about your pastor. Um, because his heart runs very deep. His, his love and his passion for you uh, runs very deep. But deeper yet is his love and his passion for Christ and the Word of God. And it's genuine, it's real, it's authentic. And... Um, and I, I think I can speak into that as his dad because I, I've seen it over time and I've seen it develop and I've seen it grow and I've seen it wane and then it's grown again. And he just has a wonderful, wonderful heart for what he is doing here, what God's called him to, to do here. So I am, I am so blessed to be his dad. I'm actually, I'm known as Doug, Doug's dad all over Long Island. Okay, I don't even have a name anymore. It's just Doug's dad. Oh, you're Doug's dad. Yeah, that's Doug's dad. But you also have a great pastoral team here that's been here with longevity. And I, I'd, I'd have to say it's one of the best teams I've ever seen in the entire world. 
but I haven't literally been all over the world. But, but still, it's, it's an amazing, amazing team that's here. And uh, so God is doing some really cool things, some very unique things. And just as an outside observer, uh, being able to look at things with fresh eyes. Um, I mean, I, I've been in ministry most of my life. And now that I'm retired, uh, I retired back in April from the church ministry out in Port Jeff that I was in. And I've been, had the opportunity now to go around to some different churches that uh, I, I know a lot of pastors, and I've, but I've never heard them preach because I'm always busy on Sundays. And so it's been really a, a blessing to be able to, to get around and to, and to see and to, and to experience what's going on. And um, you've got a special thing going here, folks. I hope you appreciate it. I really do. I think it's incredible. So... And not to go on, but I will, um, the volunteer team that you have in place here, the people at the, at the sound back there and the videos and just uh, the greeters and the, I, I mean, the, the, the ministry teams, they're, they're incredible. And uh, I'm, I'm just so impressed. What happens here every morning doesn't just happen. I mean, it's intentional and there's a lot of people involved. And I'm just so impressed by that. But I, I do have stories about Doug, many, many stories, and uh, not for now, but someday, you know, I'll offer my services in helping you get to know your pastor, and uh, that's, that's the best I can do, so. But please turn in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 40. We're going to have the verses up on the screen, but if you have your, your Bible in front of you, that's always a good thing to do because uh, reading it and you know, looking and, and being able to experience with, with the pages, it's, it's awesome. There are certain books of the Bible that are rich in history, and none, none of the books are, are more, uh, more rich or more historical than the book of the beginnings in Genesis. So we're going to look into that this morning, written sometime in the second millennium B.C. by Moses at the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And it's preserved through ancient times over the centuries for us this morning while we're sitting here. And looking at it and unfolding it and discovering the truths that God has in it for us. We're going to be following paths created through Scripture by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to follow one such path this morning. And so follow along in your Bible. Uh, it's the first book, Genesis chapter 40. We're, look, we're going to look at the story of Joseph. It's one of my favorite biblical passages and stories. And, uh, but to set the stage, Joseph is the 11th and favorite son of the third patriarch, Jacob. He's uh, in Egypt at this uh, stage of the game. He's, um, he's sold into slavery by his brothers uh, who were back in Canaan watching sheep, and they they reported back to their father that, that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal, and they proved it by showing his coat of many colors all stained with blood and presented that. So his father thought that he was, he was dead. So we're at a transition point in the story here. Uh, all of the deception has taken place, uh, but Joseph is very much alive and well and working as a slave in Potiphar's house, who's the captain of the guard and official of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So, so pause right here, all right? So we're just going to take a moment. 
to, uh, to kind of get our minds uh, set because I want to give you context and placement for this story. Imagine if you were uh, to put your favorite movie up on the screen this morning. Your absolute favorite. You've watched it a hundred times. You've, you, you know uh, lines from it. Uh, for our family, good, bad, or not, uh, the, the favorite movie that always springs to the service for us around Christmas time is The Grinch with Jim Carrey. I, that's, I mean, there's so many quotable quotes in that. We, we quote it all year through. It's, it's just the craziest thing. It's just, I married into this family. Okay, I'm not sure that I'm going to take full responsibility for that. But, uh, but here we go. I'm, I'm going to put some movie um, uh, quotes uh, up on the screen and just have you uh, tell me what movie it's from. All right? Just to, just to kind of... So here, here's the first one. Here's looking at you, kid. Casablanca, yeah. All right, it's from 1943, so I, I give you some, some credit for that one. May the force be with you. Yeah, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Yeah, we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, there's no crying in baseball. League of their own. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, a few good men. I'll be back. Terminator, of course. If you build it, he will come. Field of dreams. You had me at hello. Jerry Maguire, right. Yeah, we've got some Jerry Maguire fans. Go ahead, make my day. Not Dirty Harry. Sudden impact. Okay? Interesting, right? Um... Houston, we have a problem. Apollo 13, yes. Why so serious? Dark night, yes. I could do this all day. Captain America, yeah, somebody got it. And I am Groot. <laughs> yep, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, if you, if you watch that favorite movie over and over again, you, you, you see things maybe you didn't see before, right? You pick things up. Sometimes things just jump off the screen at you. Well, this Bible story this morning is exactly that. We're going to be looking at a Bible story that's very familiar, and, uh, and it's, it's one of my favorite biblical accounts. Excuse me. But, um, but there, there's... there's I think uh, some nuggets in here and some elements in here that we're going to be looking at that are going to be helpful to you. So as a teenager, he's betrayed by his older brothers. He's taken to Egypt as a slave. More likely, he was, he was shackled and led across you know, the, the deserts on his way to Egypt, Egypt uh, on foot. He worked in Potiphar's house as a servant, and he gained complete trust from his master, who put him in charge of everything except his wife. She, in turn, accuses him of rape, and her husband throws Joseph into prison. And some believe that it's the very place that Potiphar was the captain of the guard over. So now Joseph goes from being in charge of Potiphar's house to being in charge of Potiphar's prison. He oversees everything that goes on there. Soon in that prison, he meets the king's cupbearer, 
and Baker, two trusted men that, that had tremendous responsibility in keeping the king alive, you know, basically uh, from being attacked or poisoned. And uh, they fall out of favor with Pharaoh for whatever reason. We're not sure why. Maybe he had a bad meal and uh, got sick from it afterwards and blamed them. We're not told what went wrong for them. But Vodi Bakum is an apologist and author, and he has this to say. Joseph has gone from the captain of Pharaoh's guard to the keeper of his prison to his baker and his cupbearer. At each point, he has, in God's providence, moved closer to the ultimate encounter for which he was sent to Egypt. Very interesting. We term this a transition. Um, We've all been through transitions in our lives, uh, times in our lives when things go a little bit haywire, they go a little sideways, become confusing. Maybe even frustration sets in with with the, the way that things are going and the direction things seem to be going, followed by anger and doubt, and it all has the potential of degenerating into a loss of dreams and hopes. So transitions can be very positive, but they can more often be very difficult or negative. And we see this in Joseph's life, seemingly at every turn, just going from bad to worse. That's, that's not how I planned it, Joseph might have said. It wasn't supposed to be like this. So maybe, maybe this morning you're going through a transition. Maybe there's some things in your life that are going a little sideways, getting difficult, hard to handle, try, trying to figure things out. Life is unsure. Maybe, maybe there's an illness or a medical issue or finances. Uh, maybe there's a loss of job or, or even difficult finding a job. Uh, separation from family, a loss of relationships. There's all sorts of things that can create these difficult transitions in our lives. Well, I want to tell you this morning to hold on. Hang in there. This message just might be for you. If you haven't heard God speak yet, I'm here to tell you that he will. God will speak. It may be the very transition that he has for you that will bring you to that next place. A transition to when God speaks. We're going to see that Joseph doesn't follow that pattern of frustration, doubt, and anger. The word dream is seen a lot in this passage that we're going to look at. It's found 19 times in Genesis, and all but five of them occur in the life of Joseph. So dreams, the the very thing that got him into trouble with his brothers, resulting with him being a slave and the prisoner of Egypt... So right then and there, he could have said, forget about it. I mean, if he was Italian, he would have said that, but forget about it. You know, I'm done with dreams. They've caused me nothing but trouble. His father, Jacob, was known through his life as a deceiver. And dreams followed Joseph all of his life. Sometimes he dreamed those dreams, and sometimes others telling him about their dreams. Two such dreams confront him in prison. And we're going to look at those now. Are you ready for God's intervention into Joseph's life? 
Genesis chapter 40 and verse 1. There's a, a bit of reading here. I hope you'll just bear with me, but uh, it's, uh, it's excellent stuff. Genesis 40 and verse 1. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. He put them in the custody of the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed jo uh, Joseph to be with them, and he attended them, and they continued for some time in custody. And one night, they both dreamed. The cupbearer, the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. But when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? And they said to him, we've had dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph says, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, there was a vine before me. And on the vine, there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cup bearer. Only remember me when it's well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. So to get me out of this house, for I indeed, I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket, there were all sorts of uh, baked food for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat the flesh from you. If we back up one chapter to chapter 39, I'd like to just read two, uh, two verses there, verse, or a couple of verses. Starting in verse 2, we're told that God was with Joseph. And verse 2 says, The Lord was with Joseph. He became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. And then in verse 21, if you go down there in, in chapter 39, it also says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Now he's in prison. The Lord was with Joseph. He was in, he was in prison. 
Did I mention that he was in prison and it says the Lord was with Joseph? And showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that jo was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. None of us are in prison this morning. We're all here by our free will. Can any of us say that the Lord is with us? Amen. Because really, there's three responses to that question. It's either, yes, absolutely, he is, exclamation point. God is with me. It, it is awesome. But there are two other responses as well. Another response is, nah, I don't think so. And the third response might be, I'm not sure, maybe, uh, Let's take a look and see why God was with Joseph. All right, maybe we can get some insight into this this morning. In chapter 40, we actually see it. God is sending dreams to Joseph to set up events in his life, orchestrating a beautiful story of redemption. So we're back in chapter 40 again, verse 20. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all of his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker. So Joseph had him, had, as Joseph had interpreted to them, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Wait a minute, what? Forgot him? He was in prison with them. He was, he interpreted the, the, the man interpreted his dreams. And the dream came true to the letter. Forgot him. Is that how God is being with him? We find those times in our lives, right? Where is God? I... I don't feel him, I don't hear him, I don't experience him. But God's timing is always perfect. It's always perfect. I mean, do you believe that he brings things into our lives just at the right time to show his love for us? Amen. Joseph believed that. How do I know that? because he never stopped believing. Joseph never stopped believing. From his dreams as a boy to the cistern his brothers used to plot his demise, to being sold into slavery, to being falsely accused, to being thrown into prison, to being forgotten. What shows Joseph's character more than anything? He believed God is real, and he's active. Our circumstances don't overcome God and his plan for our lives. Can I say that again? Our circumstances do not overcome God and his plan for our lives. 
Vodi Bakum, again, he states, serving God in the context of slavery or prison does not negate the fact that we are serving God. Genesis 40 stands as a reminder that God is even at work when we cannot see or know what he's doing. So the story doesn't end there. Praise God. And we're going to press into chapter 41 with a couple of more dreams. Uh, Joseph is still in prison. He's, he's still a slave, forgotten for two more years. He's, he's left home as a teenager. Just to give you perspective, he left home as a teenager, and now he's around 30 years old. So half of his life has been spent in subjection to another as a slave or a prisoner. That's the, that's the circumstances around Joseph's life. Chapter 41 opens with Pharaoh dreaming two dreams. And here we go, verse 1 of chapter 41. After two whole years, notice the word whole in there to really emphasize. Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile, and behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump. I've never seen an attractive cow, by the way. And they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive cows. And Pharaoh awoke. And he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears, and Pharaoh awoke. And behold, it was a dream. So in the morning his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all of the magicians of Egypt and all of its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who can interpret them to Pharaoh. You know, pivot has become a watchword for us coming out of COVID. Um, our church in Port Jeff did some pivoting. Uh, we, we started doing live feeds for our service. Now, you guys were way ahead of that. You were way ahead of the game prior to COVID with live services, but we were still catching up. So that forced us to, to do live feeds. We also had online giving that came out of that. And... Uh, doing a weekly update so that we can kind of get the word out and keep everybody kind of uh, connected while, they, while we weren't meeting together. And it was all of the result of COVID. And, and we're developed to, to make the best out of the circumstances that we are in. Well, Genesis 41 is known as perhaps the most pivotal chapter in all of Scripture. But not for the reasons that you might think right now. What do we naturally do when, when we find ourselves in a difficult situation? What do we do? We, we look for a way out. It's uncomfortable. We're in a difficult situation or a, a circumstance, and, and we want out. We want to figure this out and try to turn the situation around so that it better suits me or, or my family or, or my job. Well, I need to do something different, so, so let's explore different things. What needs to happen to make things better? We look at options that maybe we haven't looked at before. We ask questions to help our understanding or to just get more information. 
Where was Joseph at the beginning of chapter 41? He was in prison. He was in Egypt. So even if he was let out of prison, he would still be a slave in a foreign country. I think that many times we see this moment in Joseph's life that when Joseph is rescued by interpreting Pharaoh's dreams, all of a sudden it's like God did it. God miraculously brought Joseph out of prison, freed him. Uh, he righted a wrong that Joseph's brothers had, had initiated on him a long time ago. He overcame prison. He was falsely accused in the first place. But let's review the narrative a little bit here. So the, the cupbearer, after two years, finally remembered Joseph. He's summoned by Pharaoh. He hears the disturbing dreams Pharaoh had, and he interprets them for him. He's elevated to second in command in Egypt. If we look at verse 28 of chapter 41, it is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. And there will come seven years of great plenty throughout the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land. The plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man, set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years, and let them gather all of the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for foods in the city and to let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. And Pharaoh places Joseph in charge of administrating all that has to be done. He's found his man. And it's going to protect the nation from this impending famine. We see this as God's salvation of Joseph. His circumstances taking a huge turnaround. But I have to remind you and ask you the question, where is Joseph? He's under Pharaoh's rule. And now he's obligated to fulfill his new role in the kingdom of Egypt for the next 14 years. He's not free to go. He's still separated from his beloved father. He's still in exile from his native land. He's a prisoner of his circumstances in a foreign land separated from his family. And by the way, he is fully aware of God's promise to his father Jacob that their descendants would occupy the promised land of Canaan. Has God taken all of this off the plate? Have things changed? Is, is, or is this just a detour? Well, we have, the, we have the privilege of armchair quarterbacking here, but to Joseph, it all must have seemed very distant from where he thought that he was going to be. There's no way that Joseph could have predicted 
the circumstances of life and where it would have taken him. The salvation of an entire nation and in providing for them through a devastating famine. Is life taking a left turn on you? Are you feeling like, man, I'm getting hit from all sides here and I don't even know where to turn anymore? Is it not working out the way that you thought it would be? Are your plans and your future looking very different from what you thought? Do you sense God doing a new thing? Let me ask you this. Whose plan are you following? God's plan for your life or yours? These are important questions to ask. And more importantly, important questions to really ponder and consider and to try to answer. There was a time in my life when I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Actually, there have been a lot of times in my life where I didn't know what was going to happen. But the year was 1985. Uh, yes, so I'm old. Um, I, I was working as a teacher at Huntington Christian School, and I was the gym teacher, the athletic coach, the, uh, the athletic director, the, and a coach. And I, was, I was 30 years old, so you can do the math. Uh, married with two kids and a house with a mortgage. And I found myself doubting my profession. What I had trained for, what I had worked in for nine years. I was young enough to believe that I could do anything, but not brave enough to act on it. And we prayed we counseled with godly friends and family. We asked God for guidance. We read the scriptures. And God was silent. Silent. I made my intentions known in March that I wasn't going to be coming back in the fall of 1986. And it wasn't until three months later, after March that a letter went out to Long Island pastors from a small church in Lake Grove asking for anyone that could fill their youth pastor position. You see, God's plan was very different from my plan. I didn't know what a youth pastor was or did. I'd never been a part of a, I'd never been in a church that had a youth group. I'd never been a part of a youth group growing up. None of that rang true with me because I, I just had no concept of what, what was involved in that. But when God speaks, you leap. And I told that pastor hiring me, I said, the learning curve is going to be really high here. I hope you understand that. But three years at New Village Church in Lake Grove and then 23 years at Island Christian Church in East Northport... And once again, I became restless, questioning, searching, asking God, what do you have for me to do? I don't feel like this is it anymore. And then God spoke. And I was offered the campus out in Port Jeff uh, to start up a work there and to build it and grow it. 
And now, 12 years later, having retired from there five months ago, I find myself with my hands wide open again. What do you have for me to do, God? I feel like I've got more to give. There's more opportunity. I've learned a lot over the years. What do you have for me to do? Will God do it again as he's done other times in my lives? I believe he will. And it'll be something that I probably don't expect or perhaps don't even know how to do. But this I found out. Wait for when God speaks. Wait for when he speaks. Joseph heard from God and remained faithful to him no matter the circumstances that came into his life. He trusted, he believed, he waited. He stepped into God's plan. Think about this. God's plan all along for Joseph was to be sold into slavery to get him into Egypt. God's plan all along for Joseph was to be falsely accused and thrown in jail so that he could meet the baker and the cupbearer. God's plan all along for Joseph was to be forgotten in prison until Pharaoh had some troubling dreams. God's plan all along was to raise Joseph to second in command of all of Egypt. You see, in God's time, he used him to save his family and ultimately establish a nation after God's own heart. Wait for God to speak. Follow his plan for your life. Trust him for his timing and for your next steps. God used a faithful man for his purposes as part of his plan to save the patriarchal line who became the nation of Israel in a foreign nation for the next 400 years. God is in the details. You can't make this stuff up. This is what God's providence does when he's calling you. And the question is, is God calling you to something? Is God calling you to what is next? Is he moving you closer to an ultimate encounter with him? Do you need to hear from God? Wait for that call. Wait for God. And allow the life of Joseph to be an example to you of when God speaks. A friend of mine shared something with me just this past week that he wrote. Uh, when times were tough, it was a time in his life when he didn't know which way to turn. And he wrote, when I asked the Lord to speak to me, he said, S-T-L. Stand, trust, lean. The ultimate trust fall is faith when you feel faithless. Trust falls are scary because the idea that you can't trust, you'll be caught. Ephesians 6 says, when you've done all that you can do, stand. In the battle, in the face of danger, looking into what seems dark and hopeless, stand. 
in your standing, trust is needed. Trust that you have on the armor of God and that the Lord has your best interests when it seems he went silent. When there isn't a preacher, a teacher, and there's only his word, but the enemy is loud in your ear, barking, growling, applying intimidation, fear, and doubt. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. But lean into God the Father. Lean into the word of God. The promises are true. He never leaves you or forsakes you. When you feel like you'll never get it, like, like there's something wrong with me, or it's not going to happen, or, or the worst is yet to come, I'm sure of it. That's the time. Those are the times that you stand, trust, and lean. Would you pray with me, please? Do you have a personal relationship with God? Do you trust him? Are you leaning into him? Or maybe God is calling you into a personal relationship with him, even right now where you sit. That's what he wants. He wants personal relationship. He wants to be your father. He wants to protect you and provide for you and stand with you. Trust him. Lean into him. Wait for him. He's bigger than your circumstances, your, your predicament, your fears. He wants to walk with you and talk with you and sometimes even carry you when you're too weak to take another step. The question, how do I have a relationship with God? It's basically three steps. Number one, confess your sin to him. Confess the sin. He already knows what you've done, but he wants you to know and agree with him that it is sin. Number two, ask him to forgive you of that sin. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us that sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Another promise that God offers us. And thirdly, stand trust and lean into that forgiveness and relationship with our Heavenly Father. God will bring His will for our lives to pass in His time when He speaks. Wait on Him. Father, we pray that Your grace and Your mercy and Your peace would accomplish what it needs to do in each of us. And Father, that grace and that mercy is freely given of your Holy Spirit, and we thank you and praise you for it. Calm our hearts. Bring us, Father, to that place of resolve that we can rest in you and wait on you for when you speak. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.